This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Welcome to this, uh, the Shrimps Net. It's the Shrimp Trust podcast. Um, it's number 17. We said it was number 15 last week, so we've lost number 16 somewhere in the world, but I think don't, I don't think anybody cares. So after a couple of smarting defeats uh, on the road, we've plenty of things to talk about rather than the best EFL 11 of ever. But And as usual, joining myself and Joel, uh, we have a view from the boardroom with uh, the ever-present Charlie Appleyard. Charlie, welcome. Evening, Freeze. Uh, and a view from the coaching staff, stroke, playing staff, stroke, 100% managing record and goal-scoring goalkeeper, uh, the goalkeeping coach, Barry Roach. Welcome, Baz. Hello, fellas. Nice to, ni- nice to finally have me on. I didn't realise there's been 17 episodes for reason it's taken that long to have me on. Yeah, that's, that, that's why we've, we've needed you on, Barry. And, and as I've said... Uh, we, we said just before the start, the EFL, the EFL's greatest goalkeeper in the Morecambeshire has voted for on this podcast last week. Is it not, Joel? Yep. Categorical decision. Nobody's allowed to disagree with it. Um, yeah, nobody's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's no discussion. Uh, so moving on, we, we've, uh, we've had no games to talk about because the international break. Uh, we've had two games since then. Uh, Burton Albion last Friday and Cheltenham Town, which if you're listening to this was on Tuesday night. Uh, two defeats, three-two and three-one. We'll start with Burton. Um, Joel, you were there. I was there behind the goal, uh, and obviously Barry was there. And Charlie was was if he wasn't there, he was watching. Um, a frustrating night, Joel. Uh, it could have been six-one, but ended up three-two, and I think the scoreline flattered us in the end. Yeah, very frustrating. I mean, it was it was quite good fun uh, for for a point. It was either a fun journey down. Uh, I promised I'd give Richard and Scott a little shout out instead of paying them petrol money. So thank you very much for driving me down. And uh, yeah, when we got there, uh, you know, it was great for about three or four minutes when uh, Liam Gibson crashes in a, his first ever professional goal, having a great time. Uh, and then it just kind of all, and then obviously they get the corner. The lad who scored from a corner against us, he's done it again uh, last night. Uh, well, on Tuesday night. So, you know, it, it was a frustrating way to concede. Maybe, maybe that saw heads go a bit, and then getting that they kind of get a quick uh, a second about ten minutes later. And I think Burton are probably a side that you don't, you don't want to be a goal behind to really because they they like to counter and you know keep solid and and they did you know they didn't they 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 kept quite solid. They got a long range strike for a third just to make them more comfortable. But you know, they they were pretty solid all game. They just made it quite hard for us to break them down. And then ultimately, you know, that did make for, for quite a frustrating evening and a less happy trip back. And I, and I think, uh, you know, you've, you've very, very, very carefully uh, avoided the minefield of uh, who was guilty of what for the goals, which I think has been discussed enough. But I just want to touch on, uh, you know, the... There's been a, a bit of a backlash after both defeats, but particularly after Burton with Anthony O'Connor, uh, which I found rather strange because I, I thought he had a pretty good game on the night other than losing his man for the free kick for the second. 
but obviously you could blame Kyle for the third and, and Adam Phillips for the first. But they didn't seem to get castigated. And I think it was a pretty strange thing to, you know, and uh, our guest last week, Michael Gibson Posh, did some research and came up with, uh, you know, 91% of uh, interceptions for Anthony O'Connor and all tackles won. So it was like, I don't get what, get just because he gave a goal away and all of a sudden he becomes this figure of it was all his fault. Joel, discuss. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you look at the goal and itself and, yeah, I think I think I think looking back, he, he does lose his mind. But at the same time, it, it, it's it's how the whole team reacted to the the, the quick throwing, which probably wasn't really quick enough, and, and and we end up having with Cole chasing all the way back, which we don't really want him doing. To be honest, we'd rather him be staying up there. So I, I'm not. But then, yeah, I, I know Connor. I think you know there were a couple of goal-saving tackles he put in, but which, which were, were brilliant. really really good. Like they like the kit the Burton player was. I think so when when a, when an attacker is is kind of at full pelt, they're so hard to stop because they can just take the ball past it so quickly, and then either you're just kicking it thin air, or you're very likely to give a penalty away. But you know, he timed it absolutely perfectly. I didn't really. I thought you know he played the ball quite nicely as well with, when we had possession. But you know, I think people look for a bit of a scapegoat. I, I don't know if maybe because people. Obviously, Lavelle has been a big figure around the club. I don't know if people have a bit of a, a kind of, I don't know, they kind of almost get like, oh, he, but he's not Lavelle about it. But look, he's a different player. He, he's got he's, he's he's got things he's better at than Lavelle was, and Lavelle's got things he was better. He, he's better at, but you know, they're just different players. I think he's a good, you know, he's a good defender, you know. And he, yeah, some of the criticism is totally unwarranted. He's done some really good stuff. Yeah. The odd error, but you know, lots of errors. I think as a team, we could defend better. So, yeah, if it, he's not the person to blame uh, for for our kind of recent struggles. You know, Barry, you were there on uh, uh, on Friday night. Uh, it's always a tricky game at Burton. Uh, I remember the years of the conference when we played at Eaton Park. It was like a home ground for us. We used to win every time. But since they moved to the Pirelli, we've not done not done particularly well. I remember Alex Kenyon scoring from about six inches once, so we won two one. But uh, Barry, you were there. It, it was one of those games where they had a twenty minute spell where it, they could have got four or five. And, and as Joel alluded to, a couple of great tackles by Anthony O'Connor, another one by Gibbo, where the guy was pulling the trigger and he appeared and, and took it off him. Um, what what was the feeling in the dressing room? It, 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 was it just like it's the one that got away because they just they just you know they they were they were too quick for us? What? No, I certainly I, I wouldn't say they were too quick for for us. Um, we knew what to expect uh, when you know we we do our research certainly you know as, as coach and staff on every team. They work incredibly hard. They put you under an awful lot of pressure. They press you high. You know they leave. They leave gaps at the back to to press you high, and it's, it's, it was one of those things that we knew if if we won the ball back and we got the first pass right, we'd cut them apart. But on the flip side, if they press you high and they you know and they do it well, it's incredibly hard to get out. And I think we found it really hard to get out. The disappointing thing for us was after such an incredible start to concede so soon afterwards. And then, you know, I I think looking back on it, it really knocked the wind out of our sails. Uh, you know, obviously the manner in which we conceded both both goals in the first half. Really, you know, they were very poor goals from uh, from our point of view. Uh, and I think we, we never really recovered after that. You know, we regrouped again at half time. 
time, but we never really got going again. We, you know, we didn't move the ball like we can. Uh, we didn't create chances like we have been doing in recent games. And, you know, ultimately, we didn't work their goalkeeper hard enough. No, it's true. Uh, Charlie, um, a disappointing night that, that we were lucky to try and put behind us so quickly, but it didn't quite, didn't quite work <laughs> out that way, did it? Cause yeah, I wasn't there, sadly. I was winning. I was beating the Irish, uh, Barry, in the uh, Parkinson's uh, formation of golf to England won the trophy. Thank you. Uh, so I couldn't make it, but... I was watching on iFollow and I thought there was something wrong with my iFollow feed because they were so quick. I thought, I thought, it, was, I thought it was on like super fast forward because whenever we got the ball in, it closed us down so quickly. Yeah, they did. And I was, I was, I was I actually, actually honestly checked the settings on the phone to see if it was on like one and a half speed because they were so, every time we got, every time we got the ball, they bang on us. And um, uh, what was weather like? Uh, it was okay. It was quite quite a pleasant evening. There was there was sort of it, it started off. Uh, it looked like it was going to rain, but it didn't actually rain for long, did it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of those things. That Gibbo was so happy, he couldn't believe he could hit right foot as well, top corner, and then um, then it went in. It's just one of those things where it just seems to be heads drop a little bit. And we just we just needed confidence boosting win against Plymouth on the weekend, really. So I'll, I'll move to. Cheltenham on Tuesday night. Um, di- I, yeah, again, uh, uh, you know, didn't go, but paid for the iFollow feed. Uh, and watching it there, uh, I chose, uh, for fairly obvious reasons, to listen to the Cheltenham uh, commentary. And uh, they were saying that for 41 minutes, they were far superior. And I suppose you can't argue with that, with like the chances that they had where there was one cleared off the line and couple of headers where they maybe should have done better. But they only got one goal, and that was slightly fortunate. Again, long throw that we didn't quite clear, and it fell nicely for the guy, and he hit it well enough. But then um, the strange goal with Adam Phillips, uh, the back pass, that was a back pass, and he took 30 seconds to pick it up, but it was a back pass. Great finish. But then there's a, there's a kind of turning point there, because we had a chance down the right-hand side. McLaughlin put a fantastic back post cross in, and... Uh, Obviously, Greg Lee came in and it smacked against the post. And was, that uh, goal, Phillips, it, the cross, I Phillips think. it was. Yeah, it was. Sorry, it was McLaughlin that played him through. Um, and it was, a fanta- it was a fantastic chance. And it smacked against the post. And I remember that the Cheltenham commentators were like, well, that would have been rough justice if that had gone in. And I'm like, but hang on a minute. We've had loads of... They'd had one chance and then they'd scored. And the rest of it, they weren't on target. We'd had one chance and we'd scored. And then we had another chance and it was like, that would have been rough justice. And I was like, it doesn't matter. If you're creating chances, you're creating chances. That was the turning point for me. If that had gone in then, we probably would have got something from the game. But who knows? Um, second half, I was a bit disappointed. I thought we were, we were, a, bit, we were a bit wet. Joel? Uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting adjective to use. Uh, well, obviously, looking at the weather last night, it was absolutely awful. So fair play to uh, all those who travelled down it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought we we didn't play great, and then we got a bit of a stroke of luck with their their goalkeeper picking the ball up somewhat inexplicably. Well, in fairness, I'd forgotten that it was a back pass. I had no idea it was going on for about thirty seconds. So uh, fair play to the ref for remembering because I didn't remember. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then we get back into the game and. I think we were talking about confidence before and it really did show how much momentum and confidence can, can be a factor in football because we hadn't great until that point and then we get the goal back and then suddenly we're all over them and then, you know, like you say, Phillips sticks in the back post cross and then Lee really unlucky to hit the post and then second half, I thought we came out okay to be honest. 
First 10 minutes, yeah. Yeah, first I thought we were right at first because obviously we, we, we put a bit of pressure on, we get the corner. Uh, you know, great little flick header from Anne O'Connor. Uh, you know, again, you know, that's a bit of a turning point moment where, you know, Cole Stockton puts it in yeah. and he's disallowed. Disallowed for, uh, I, I, think, I think it was offside, but. And then I think Jonah, yeah, goes, through, yeah, Jonah goes through, uh, Ayunga goes through and, you know, doesn't quite connect with the, the shot cross that he, as he probably would have wanted. So, and then from then on, I think we kind of let control get away from us in, in, in the game. And I think, you know, it's one of those where I think we, we were talking before, obviously, about individual areas and, and taking risk and, and, and blaming individuals. But, you know, their, their keeper, made a really bad error last night picking it up yeah. and but the, the, the thing is they didn't let that ruin their night you know, it, you know they, they managed to recover from it and I think you know I think that's worth remembering from when people go and highlight and slam individuals for X, Y and Z at the same time you, you react as a team to that so you want to try and minimise the uh, the errors but also you know you've you know, you got to react as a team and kind of pull together and, and work through that so yeah, a disappointing night, but you know, like like, like I think Charlie and Stephen uh, Robinson have all kind of warned us about. You know, that there are going to be times in the season where we're going to go on bad runs, and and this is the kind of first time it's really been, I think, a bad run of results and, and form quite you know consistently over a, over a couple of games. So like, you know, it's a tough period, but. You know, I'm sure you know the coach and staff and the players and you know Barry and everybody. You know, they'll all be working the socks off to try and fix it. So hopefully, hopefully that can maybe start with Plymouth, but we'll see. It, it was an interesting team selection, Barry, uh, uh, and it was a, obviously a risk which now we could say didn't pay off. But I thought it was worth trying putting Anthony O'Connor in that mid, and you picked it, Joel, straight away. Credit to you in the fact that I, I when I looked at the team, I was like, what's he going to do there? And I had Gibbo alongside Toombs, and you said no, it'll probably be Anthony O'Connor, and it 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 it, it sort of worked for for fifty five minutes, didn't it, Barry? Yeah, well, Ant, Ant played there in the past. I think he had a full season up there as as playing as a six for Aberdeen, and I think after the previous two games, you know, we conceded three at Burton, four at Wickham. We felt that we needed to tighten things up a little bit, and you know, obviously with Alfie. Uh, Alfie pulling out the day before injured sort of circumstances dictated it as well. And we wanted to, uh, we wanted to shore things up. And like you said, for 55, 60 minutes, it, it worked. Uh, you know, we, we'd gone in at half time. We thought, you know what, there's not an awful lot wrong. We didn't, we certainly didn't feel lucky to be back in the game. Uh, we felt we deserved to be back in the game. We thought, you know what, keep doing what we're doing, step it up a little bit and we'll go on and win the game. But again, like the, you know, sort of like the Burton game, we didn't move the ball as well as we can. Uh, you know, and the second goal, you know, the, the timing of it, obviously no goal, and timing of any goal is, is not good, but the second goal, again, knocked the, knocked the stuffing out of us and we never really recovered. You know, we had a couple of half chances laid on before uh, before they got third to get back into it. But, you know, it, 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 for us, it, I certainly didn't see it as a bad performance. You know, it wasn't a good performance by any means, but it just... We just fell a little bit short, and I think the yeah. even though Cheltenham are a promoted team like us, I think the big thing I've noticed in, in this league is you get punished a lot more. You, you know, it's a lot of our goals this season have been individual mistakes, individual errors. Um, whereas last year, I think you, you might get away with 50 60 percent of them, but 
in this division, you don't get away with those mistakes. You get punished so you know so much more. That's a really good point, Barry. You know, I was at the Wickham game, um, hammering it down. You know, we absolutely we played we played amazing football. Sorry to go back over the game a few weeks ago, from, but uh, you know, we moved the ball really well. We beat we beat them at football, and all they could do is come out in the second half and lo- lump it up to um, Vokes and then head it down. And when uh, when Ayunga scored that third goal, Stephen was uh, near us. We'd been sent off. He was in the box, fuming. Um, and uh, yeah, when that fourth goal went in, you know, everyone was just, he was like a spit, sucker punch. Then, then was it Hartlepool next? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely hammering it down, you know, stuffing again. It's one of those things where we just need, you know, understandably, if you're going away from home, all that travel, Wickham, Burton, Cheltenham, Hartlepool in, in a week and a half, sitting yeah. on the coach, you know, dwelling on things, this sweat through, pardon my friend. It's not easy. You know, but only two weeks ago, we went with Mazuma, dominating Lincoln, who was in the playoff final. We absolutely smashed them. Anthony O'Connor man of the match for me that day. He was, was, yeah. Two to three days before we played at in Stanley, where we had 10 men and three all. We're the same team we were two and a half weeks ago. But now, moving forward, we've got seven and eight or six and seven at home. Yeah. The, the record's amazing at Mazuma. We need to get back on it and get some positive, positive, positive times again. Because in any walk of life, whether it's illness or sport or track, if people keep punching in the face, it hurts. But it's, it's, it's when you, you get out of those punches, start punching back, and then you get back on the horse, and then we start, then we start winning again. We've, so it's only a matter of time. We've got to be. If you're going to use the boxing analogy, we've got to be a bit like our local hero Tyson Fury. Get yeah. up off the floor and get about our business and start punching yeah. back. Because that's exactly what Tyson does. He's been on the floor so many times. Yeah. He, he, never, he never dwells on it. He gets up and, you know. I think we've got to remember, I think uh, Joel alluded to it earlier. You know, we're, we're, in, we're in League One for the first time in our history. There is going to be points in the season where you do go on a bad run. It yeah. happens to every team. Hopefully this is ours now and we get out of it sooner rather than later. Obviously, you know, ideally starting with Saturday. But it, it's, it's certainly not the end of the world. It's certainly not the end of the world. We've had, a, you know, a few bad results, a few bad performances. Well, we'll dust ourselves off and go again Saturday and make sure we put things right. I think, um, like I said, there was, uh, there was um, shall we say, there was a, a sort of hysteria growing on, on the Morecambe FC Facebook page. And I'll name check Neil Gowland, because Neil Gowland, uh, who I know personally, he was a, a long, long time fan when we were absolutely terrible. Um, and he's still a fan now. He posted on Facebook saying, please, can you tell me who won anything or who got relegated in October. And I'm like, that's exactly the point, isn't it? Yeah, well, we lost 5-0, 7-0 and 4-0 last season in the space of a couple of weeks. Admittedly, yeah. one of them was to Newcastle, but, you know, two of them were to two other League 2 sides. So, you know, you, you bounce back, you, you go through these patches and, you know, we end up having quite a, a miserly, horrible defence by the end of the season. So... Hopefully we can just kick on and go, work through this kind of little bar patch. Bar- Barry, Barry's right. The set piece delivery is better for the opposition. The shots. Are, I mean, those goals. Chelsea's goal last night were pretty good. And number twenty-eight. Don't his name. He was running. He was amazing. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, Chelsea are like a mid-table team like us. Us, hopefully. You know, and the the, play, the, the difference in players is, is amazing, and you're going to get punished. So. I'm, I'm going to move on now and, uh, and to something a little bit more positive. 
And I think that generally, I, I agree with you completely, our, our performance at Cheltenham <clears> was better than it was at Burton. I think we all agree on that, uh, despite the scoreline being worse. But um, the, the, the one thing that I thought we did miss was that in the Burton game, I thought our best player by, by some considerable margin was Alfie McAlmont. Uh, who never stopped running. He was probing, probing, and he just showed exactly what he's capable of in that game. And I think it's taken him time to adjust because obviously he's been, a, he's, he's been on loan in League Two. And as we've all alluded to, it, it is a higher division. It's a better standard. And I, I was really disappointed that he wasn't playing last night because obviously he got injured. But he's, he's come back. He looked like he'd come back from the international break with his head full of, I am good enough and I'm going to prove it, Joel. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been a tidy player for us all season. He's had some good moments, but over the last couple of games, we've seen a bit more of that, you know, the flashy stuff almost. Like some of those lovely switch passes he was playing were absolutely gorgeous. He's making a few kind of more dangerous runs in, 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 into the final third. He has a, finds a little pocket of space that Toons finds him in, turns good shot from the edge of the area, well saved. And even, even the goal, he, he, he swipes and he miss kicks it. To lay, which ends up laying it off for, for Gibson but the, the point is he's in a dangerous area in the box you know we've got a throw and we've yeah. taken it in and then Cole's flicked it on and he's in the right area to be able to, to get on the end of it so you know I think we're, we're seeing kind of a bit more to his game and we've seen a lot already and you know he can already tell he was a really good player and we're just seeing a little bit extra kind of Kind of pizzazz in the final third, which is nice. But yeah, like you say, maybe it's in settling in a bit more. Maybe it's that kind of that sense of not only was he get called up to the Northern Ireland under twenty one squad, he then pretty promptly got called up to the the national team and played a full ninety minutes for them. Not yeah. the, the international break before this one, so that's got to give you a bit of a a bit of a leg up, a bit of a confidence boost. So hopefully, can he can only kick on from here when, once he gets back from his injury. And I'll I'll come to Barry now. Um, Obviously, we we're, we're not doing. <laughs> we've had one of them seasons where we haven't done particularly well with injuries. Don't get me wrong; everybody suffers injuries. Uh, but obviously, from that point of view, we have been. It, it has been just silly little niggles and things like that in training, and uh, it, it, that must be quite frustrating from the coaching staff's point of view because you're trying to get you're trying to get all your things across and thinking right. Well, we'll put this side out for Saturday, and as we've just said. Alfie twists something in training and all of a sudden your plans are out the window. That's got to be frustrating, Barry, hasn't it? Well, it is, especially after, like you said, Alfie was, uh, he was excellent at Burton. So you, you, we were looking for him to, uh, to build on that uh, last night. But the frustrating thing for us this season hasn't been the little niggles. It's been the really serious injuries we've picked up. You know, the sort of, the injuries that you don't often hear of. You know, obviously John Obika comes on, you know, comes on at Burnley within a couple of minutes. Tears his hamstring off the bone. You know, he, he felt a little bit tight before that. He got a, I think he had a week, ten days on the sideline. All of a sudden, he's out for six months. Uh, Jonah Younger again with him. He, he felt a little bit sore on his knee after an incredible performance at uh, second half performance, especially at Blackburn. Then he's out for six weeks, and then uh, Courtney Dupas as well. You know, he he was just feeling a little bit tight on his uh, on on his quad, and then all of a sudden, bang, another two months out. And it's, it's been in the, uh, you know, it's been in the in the striking in the striking role that's it's cost us most. Obviously, Cole's more than stepped up to the plate, and you know his record speaks for itself. But you know those have been the really frustrating injuries for us, the ones that you know you can almost accept little niggles in training because you know of of the workload and the, you know how hard the players work and you know you know how much uh, how much running they're expected to do. 
you know, on a training day and a match day, which is, you know, which is brilliant. But it's been the uh, it's been the long term injuries that I think has been the you know the real frustrating and disappointing factor. I think it'll come into play that we will need uh, everybody we've got in the squad. We will need them to play some part. Uh, obviously, yes, Abika, uh, you know, is a big miss, uh, but also Courtney, a younger's looking like he's getting back in and getting into it now. But uh, obviously, Aaron Wildig, uh, he's been in and out. He's been suffering little niggles, and I think Aaron can be a big player because uh, he was Shrewsbury's player of the year in this division and I just think you know Aaron's still got that in him as he proved last year with scoring quite a few goals so it, it is just unfortunate every team has injuries but I think because we've had the squad where we've had 19 new signings it has been a bit too sort of choppy and changey through those injuries because obviously <coughs> we lost you know we lost uh, Ryan Delaney for a few weeks as well and we've lost Gibson and blah 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 then uh, Cooney gets five yellow cards, so he's suspended just as he was starting getting going. So it's one of those things. But I suppose we've got to look at it, look at the positives and say, you know, when Alfie comes back, um, hopefully he can carry on where he's left off and still in the mindset of I am easily good enough for this division and carry on doing what he's doing. But we'll see. Right, I'm going to come to you now, Baz. Um, thank you for joining us tonight. I want to talk a little bit about your time uh, as the custodian, as we mentioned uh, earlier on in this podcast, you were voted by the panel as our greatest ever EFL goalkeeper, uh, which given how many seasons and how many games you played, it was a fairly easy choice, I would say, Baz, wasn't it? <laughs> there's, always still, there's still always going to be those who disagree, please, you know that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, I, to be honest, I don't think there is. <laughs> I think that or the other the other, other ten that we picked yeah there was arguments but I don't think there was any argument that you were you know I mean look at you look at some of the games that you played for us and kept us you know the two saves at Coventry City that kept us in this in the second division in, in League Two you know that was a fantastic day if you hadn't made those saves we might not have been where we are now mate yeah you know it was a, it was a day that obviously I look back on very fondly um and funnily enough, it was it was a, it was a game that I actually really enjoyed, and I, I certainly wouldn't have said that would have been the case in the couple of weeks building up to it, or certainly in the week building up to it. Uh, I don't think I slept for a week because you know it, it was more than just you know the football team going down the league. It was, it was you know it was the, obviously it was people going to more than likely lose their jobs. You know, the academy would have had, you know all the work that was put into the academy to get cat three. Uh, you know. That was that was going to be in jeopardy as well. So it was a really really difficult uh, difficult week building up to it. And myself, like Kenyon, Kev, we tried to uh, emphasise to the rest of the lads, you know, how important this game was. Not just in terms of their careers, but in terms of the livelihoods of other people as well. And uh, thankfully, we all stepped up to the plate on the day. Yeah, it was a strange game. Obviously, we took over seven hundred that day because the club very kindly laid coaches on. So that was a fantastic atmosphere, but. Um, I, I, I do remember uh, that somebody texted us in after about, we were doing the commentary, uh, oh, Halcyon days, and we were doing the commentary and somebody texted us in after about 65 minutes and said, uh, Sky Sports had gone to, I think it was Paul Walsh or somebody like that, doing it at wherever it was, doing it at, at, at Coventry. And they came to him and said, what's happening at, what's happening at uh, the Rico then? And he went, nothing, don't come back to me. It's it's uh, they've both agreed they're going to draw nil nil and we uh, that's what happened with twenty five minutes left and it was like it was the ladies excuse me to me to you after you no and uh, well, it was, uh, but before that 
the first half wasn't like that, Barry. Yeah, that's when no. you have to get the saves. The first, the first half, both teams had a you know had a right go. Obviously, they've uh, they've had a couple of chances. Uh, thankfully, I was able to get in the way. You know, we've had a couple of chances. I remember, Adam McGurk nearly got on a on the end of a brilliant cross from Kev, I think, at the back stick. But in the second half, given what was at stake, obviously for us and at, at stake for Coventry, you know, they needed a point to get into the playoffs. Um, the players, you know, certainly from speaking to them on the day, their players on the pitch didn't know the result from elsewhere. I can't remember who it was. As it turns out, it was irrelevant because the rivals got beaten. But, you know, we were speaking to them. And to be honest, we were saying, well, listen, you need a point. We need a point. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and there was, there, was, there was one incident in the game, and I've seen it so many times. It was a little passing sequence between Sam Lavelle and Aaron McGowan. And they must have done eight, nine passes between them. But, you know, I know there, there was a lot of Barnet fans and so cheat and everything like that. But no, it was it was both clubs at the end of the day, toward, certainly later on in the game, looking after their own interests. They didn't want to commit men forward and risk being caught in the break. And neither did we. Because obviously, to them, if they got beaten, they might have fallen out of the playoffs. And obviously, to us, if we got beaten, we'd have, uh, we'd have been relegated. So it was, it was, it was just common sense, really. It made entertaining commentary, I'll tell you. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, we could just pack up and go home here because nothing's going to happen. And we said that, and particularly with 10 minutes left, when everybody was, everybody was making subs and the subs were walking off like they had lead in the boots, trying to waste as much time. And the ref was like, look, don't take the mic. Just get off, please. The, the, the best part about it at the end was, I remember the, the board had just gone up for injury time and it was two minutes. So you're looking and going, I have not seen two minutes go up on a board in at least six, seven. It's, it's usually a standard for maybe three at, at, at best. And the ball went out literally 10 seconds after uh, the board had gone up right in their corner for a goal kick. Their fullback picks the ball, looks at the goalkeeper, laughs, puts the ball back down, doesn't throw it to him. The goalkeeper walks over, walks back, kicks the ball, final whistle goes. And it was just, you know, the feeling of, the feeling of relief at the end of that game is is oh, it was absolutely incredible yeah you know the you know the, the stress and the, and the pressure we felt going into that game for obvious reasons was uh it, it was difficult to deal with but you know credit to the lads on the day you know certainly in the, in the first 45 minutes we hung in there and, you know we were hanging on a little bit at times uh but the feeling at the end was uh, one that I'll, I'll remember for the you know for the rest of the days so it was incredible and it's strange, Barry, because that hasn't actually wasn't that long ago. And look where Coventry are now, and look where we are now. I know, yeah. Well, you, you look at it; it, uh, it obviously playing those last twenty-five minutes at a walking pace worked uh, worked well for both teams. Yeah, obviously. So I'll move on now. Um, obviously, just not that much, not that much later. Um, Jim and Ken decided that the, they had an opportunity at filed and uh, and and took it, which is you know fine. Uh, and then you and the legend that is Kev Ellison were brought in, uh, and you have a hundred percent record as uh, as as um, part-time managers. Talk us through that day against Orient. That one, I'll be honest with you, that was a long, long day. I don't think uh, I don't think I, I'd eaten all day. It was just it was it was a good week. You know, the lads responded really, really well to us. Uh, you know, we, you know, we worked hard. You know. Everybody, all the staff pulled together, John, Max, Squares, the physios, you know, everybody mucked in because obviously it was all completely new to me and Kev. Uh, you know, obviously we needed the uh, we needed the help. But, you know, the day itself, the game was, uh, I don't, I'll be honest, I, 
after the game, it was like, oof, imagine I, I couldn't imagine feeling that stress every week being a, being a manager. But then on the flip side, you win the game and you think, you know what, I enjoyed that. Uh, it, it was really special. You know, it, this, this is my club. I've been here for that long. Uh, you know, I love it here. I love the club. And to be able to... Uh, to be able to manage the team and you know to sort of myself and Kev to lead the boys out in that capacity was really really special. So how did it work? Did you argue with Kev, or were you like uh, I always remember that story from Stuart Pearce where he used to pick the side the night before in bed with his missus and he read the team out and his missus read, "You can't start with 12. <laughs> I'm not suggesting you were in bed with Kev, but did you argue? <laughs> did you did you? Did you argue or did you just decide? No, we didn't. We, we, we agreed on it. Uh, we agreed on it straight away. Um, probably, probably the hardest thing we have to do was um, you're going from a player, um, albeit for just a short time manager, but they're your friends in the squad. They're, you know, they're the people you work with, you socialize with every day. And you know, one of my closest friends is Alex Kenyon, you know, and he still is to this day. But we, we left, we decided for that game. You know, we left Alex out, and, and that was uh, that was a very, very difficult thing to do. But you know, myself and like myself and Kev, like I said, we agreed on the team we wanted to play. We agreed on the way we wanted to play, and the lads carried out the instructions that were absolutely magnificent on the day. And I think the the, the performance itself was excellent. I I believe we deserved to win by more than one nil on the day. But given the uh, the goal that was scored by AJ, you know, fantastic goal, fitting to win any game. Yeah, it was. It was. You're right, and uh, and obviously um, that it, it, your uh, your career as caretaker manager closed very quickly, didn't it? After that, because obviously, but that, then the one thing that happened was it, it that sort of transition. You were a player, then you were caretaker manager, and then almost immediately as Derek came in, how did that work with Derek? Did, did he did he consider you still the keeper? Did he want you to coach? What happened there? To be honest, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I uh, we we played the myself and Kev took the Blackpool game, um, yeah. which we you know we got well beaten. You know it could have gone differently if we had taken our chances. And then there was a Johnson's Paint or a Papa John's Cup game on the Tuesday. And to be honest, I fully expected to play. Derek kept the same team, which is like all right, fair enough. You know I'm thinking, well, hold on a second. I, I'd played 17 games in a row. Yeah. Um, we went to Crew, I believe it was. I can't remember if it was a Tuesday night or, or a Saturday, and we got beaten five nil. And I thought, all right, brilliant! I'm I'm going to be back in here. You know, I took myself out of the team. Myself and Kev did. We felt we had to do that to man to manage it correctly. Um, I took myself out of the team, and I thought, you know, we've been beaten five nil. I'll get back in now. And I remember we had a we had a staff meeting on Thursday morning. And, uh, you know, we set out what we needed to do for the day. And at the end of the meeting, Les, Les Dewar said to, just said to Derek, you know, last comment, he goes, oh, you need Andre, you know, Andre's kit for Saturday. I thought, with that, I'm like, what's going on here? So then Derek said, oh, I don't want you to be a player anymore. Uh, and at the time, I'll be honest, I wasn't ready. You know, if I'd been, if I'd been on the bench all season and, you know, wasn't playing, then I think, okay, fair enough. But, he just said, I, "I want you to. T- I want you to take the goalkeepers." And it came as a bit of a shock to the system. You know, I argued my point back. I said, "Well, hold on. So I've played 17 games in a row. Uh, I feel I'm still the best goalkeeper at this club." And he said, "Well, no, I don't want you to play anymore. I want you to concentrate on coaching." Um, 
So I had to think about it and coaching was obviously something I wanted to go in. I'd done my badges and realistically that probably would have been my last year. So I took the opportunity to move into coaching, albeit probably six, seven months uh, earlier than I wanted or anticipated. So what you're saying is it was it was a reluctant, it was a great opportunity, but it came a lot earlier than you expected. And it was, yeah. I mean, that, must, that must have come as a shock. I mean, obviously, you know, you know Derek's going to be his own man. You know that yeah. now. But at the time, it, uh, you know, he came across as quite a, you know, quite a decent, nice bloke. And it, it must have come as a shock because I, I know he doesn't, I know he doesn't, uh, he doesn't sugar the pill, does he, Derek? No. Uh, uh, how do I be? How do I put it politely? <laughs> I know I've put you on the spot, but it's... No, you, you, can, you can put me on the spot, you can ask what you want, Freeze. Uh, I, I didn't agree with his decision, it's as simple no. as that, but I have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. You know, I was, I was 37, going on 38 in, you know, in a couple of months, and I thought, well, realistically, how much longer am I going to keep playing? And I certainly didn't agree with his decision, in fact, I strongly disagreed with it. But, like you said, I looked at the bigger picture, and I thought, coaching's what I want to do long-term, and if this was going to be my last season, which it, it probably would have been, then... I'll take the step now. Well, I, I didn't agree with the decision, not one little bit. So it, it, it's, a, it's actually, with Jim, with Jim taking Lee with him to Fylde, it sort of left a position there that, was, that needed filling. Yeah. So well, I, I said to Derek, I said, listen, I, I, I do want the goalkeeping coach job, but you know, there's a lot of, um, at that time and certainly around the leagues now, uh, in you know, leagues one and leagues two, there's a lot of player coaches, goalkeeping coaches. Mm. And I, I said, listen, I want, I want to still play, but I want the goalkeeping role. Mm. He obviously didn't see it that way. So uh, he said, no, concentrate on the goalkeeping role. And you know, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm very, very grateful for that opportunity. But I just felt that uh, I still had something to offer on the pitch. So, and here we are, uh, a successful season uh, last season, <clears throat> ending at Wembley. Uh, you had... Kyle, halfway through the season. Mark Holstead, um, how's coaching now with Kyle and uh, and Jock? I, I I love it now. I, I missed I missed playing for the first couple of months, and I remember I remember a moment I was sat in the uh, I was sat in the dressing room at Bradford on New Year's Day, and just hearing the crowd out there, and that's when it really hit home. Like, bloody heck, I'm, I'm finished playing now. And that, I'll be honest, that hurt. But after that. I got, you know, I thought, you know what, listen, the playing days are done. I've had a good run out of them. You know, I've had a career of 22 years playing, which if someone had offered me that when I was a lot younger, I'd, I'd have bitten my hand off. Uh, so, you know, my, my focus changed. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I love the day-to-day coaching. I, you know, I go in with a smile on my face, uh, especially this season. Uh, and uh, I love the work that I'm doing. Um, I'll, I'm going to let, I'm gonna let Joel, Joel will have some more piercing questions, I feel. But I, I just want to touch on what you said. That you, you, no wonder you come in with a smile on your face because Kyle and Jock are both blooming mental, aren't they? <laughs> so we've, we've got a really good, good, uh, good group of goalkeepers. Uh, you know, obviously, Big J, uh, Kyle, uh, Andre as well. Unfortunately, who's been uh, he's been out injured for the last couple of months. With you know, really bad time for him because we were really you know we were and certainly are now once he's back fit, looking for him to uh, to make the next step and start. You know, playing games, whether it be on loan or putting pressure on our on, on the goalkeepers, but it's a really, really good environment to be in. You know, the lads all get on well. We've got the two young keepers, Joe and George, who come up twice a week with us as well. Uh, they've taken to it. They've taken to it really, really well. But you know, I'm I'm very fortunate that uh, that I've got a really good group to work with, and who all 
work hard, help each other and get on really well together. Harry, you seem to be much more involved on the touchline in the games as well during the matches, is that true? Yeah, that's that, that, that's a big thing why uh, I, you know, I enjoy it a lot more this year. You know, the, every every member of staff is, has got a lot more of a, an input and the same things. Um, so I'm, I'm not resigned to my uh, half an hour on the training pitch to be just more work like it was. Um, so it, 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 is, it is a lot, uh, we're a lot more involved this year and uh, I'm really enjoying it. So is that is that because Stephen and Dermot just let you sort of like do your bit, as it were? Just do we, I, I, you know, goalkeeping goes. We we do our bit, of, you know. On the we're given sort of, I won't say free reign, but license to do your own work. Obviously, if there's something that, and it has been the case plenty of occasions that the opposition style of play will, and you know, maybe it's crossing and more crossing the box, long range shots, long balls, stuff like that. If they want us to work on that coming into uh, Saturday. You know, we'll put sessions on uh, design for that. But in in, in sort of in, in the last year, eighteen months, it was literally you've got your half an hour on the pitch, and then that was your that was your day done, so to speak. Joel, I'm going to come to you now. I'm sure you've got far more uh, uh, interesting questions than I've asked, Barry. Made me more geeky. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to ask: what what are the main differences in things that you coach the, to the goalkeepers now compared to when when you were a young goalkeeper being coached what are the kind of main differences now well the game the game has moved on so much from when i was a young goalkeeper uh, it's a lot faster players are technically a lot better so you, you've got to prepare the goalkeepers for that on, on a game day certainly with the step up and level now uh the, the quality is the quality is a lot better you know you're going to places like ipswich portsmouth sunderland you know Team, teams like that, you know, the delivery from wide areas, it's not just, and I won't, you know, I'm certainly not being disrespectful to League Two, but the delivery from wide areas, the set plays, they're a lot more accurate, so you're put under a lot more pressure, so you, you've got to be ready for that, and, you know, we help the goalkeepers to be uh, to be prepared for that. Uh, when a keeper has had a bad game or made a bit of a mistake... How, how do you kind of approach things when you come in for training like that in, in the following days? Is there something that you go? Is it do you kind of address it or do you do you just kind of move on and you know accept it? No, no, you de- you definitely address it. We've uh, after every game, every player is given their own match clips, so it's just their involvement on a match day. So you'll go through, you know, I'll go through all the goalkeepers' clips and you'll highlight certain points, good and bad. You know, I think it's important to to tell you know to praise them as well when they've done well. Uh, and you'll go through and say, well, what could you have done here? What could you have done better? And then once that's done, you move on and you focus on that. You focus on the day and certainly the next game. But, you know, you definitely have to address it. And I think all goalkeepers, certainly everyone I've worked with, uh, they won't sort of turn a blind eye to it. They want it addressed. And then it's the same as when I was playing. If I made a mistake on a Saturday, the first thing I'd do as soon as the highlights of the coverage is out in the Sky Sports, whatever that, I'd watch it. I mean, you know, no matter how bad, I mean, sometimes you'd be looking, you'd be cringing, going, oh, please don't be as bad as I think it is. And then you're watching, you think, oh, no. But then I'll watch it and think, right, well, I should have done this, 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 whatever, and then it was gone, and then you move on from it. And that's what, that's what we try and do. Obviously, every goalkeeper is different. Some might dwell on it longer than others, but uh, that's certainly what we uh, try and press on the goalkeepers. So w- with those kinds of errors, like, obviously... There are some errors that are big and glaring, and everybody knows there are an error. What, what, are there sometimes those kind of errors that 
a lot of people probably won't pick up on. And even if it doesn't lead to a goal, that, that kind of stick in your head and, and wind you up a little bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say wind me up, no. Um, we look at uh, we look at every goal, you know, and obviously there's certain goals that, you know, if someone, the ball drops, let Preston, fella smashed it into the top corner from 20 yards, no keeper in the world is going to save it. But every single goal we'll look at and we'll, we'll break it down and say, well, could you have done this? Could you have moved your feet more? Could you have, is your body position, is your, you know, there's, there's always something that is a goalkeeper because goalkeepers are their own biggest critics and that's that's across the board you know ask any goal they are their own biggest critics you will always feel that apart from that goal that I spoke about goals like that there's always something that you feel I could have done that better to keep that out and we'll look at all the different aspects of the goal and what the goal and the goalkeeper's role in it to try and break it down to see what however small could we have done something better Interesting, yeah. So on, on to the, the, the trashier questions now. Uh, who are your favourite centre-backs to play behind at Morecambe? <laughs> I, I, prom- I promise to not listening. <laughs> I can't promise. Uh, oh, number one is Jim. I love playing behind Jim. You know, he, he was a proper leader and he, he, was, he was old school and he, he could head the ball further than anybody could kick it. But he made a, he made a goalkeeper's job quite easy because and this is something you don't often see in the game nowadays one because I think the art of defending in this respect I'm going to say has, has gone out of the game a little bit and two because referees are a little bit fussier but a, a high ball a corner a crosser come into the box you'd call and as soon as Jim would hear you call and being how big he was he'd grab three of them he'd grab three of the opposition players so you'd have an easy catch but that's that's not really prevalent in the game anymore uh, you know, as I said, for for obvious reasons, uh, I love playing. I love playing behind Jim. I like playing behind Big Arts. He was a big, no nonsense defender. But I've been, uh, you know, I've been privileged to play behind some really, really good centre halves in the uh, in the last twelve, thirteen years. Safe to say, it's the uh, the big grizzly ones who do a lot of shouting. <laughs> yeah, but I think you you don't see that as much these days. You you, you don't. There's a lot more. Um, Across the board, there's a lot more football and centre halves uh, than you know the big meatheads who just head and kick everything. But you know there is something to be said for that. So, talking of more fa- favourites in your time at Walker, what would you kind of pick out as some of your favourite games? Maybe <laughs> aside from Coventry, because that's too easy. Uh, aside from Coventry, which you know that that, that would be the favourite. The first the first time we beat uh, Aki at home. You know the that with, without you know it wasn't a classic it was a it was a crap game and we didn't play well but given everything that we'd endured over the years at, at the hands of them you know last minute winners the uh, the cheating the histrionics and everything like that they weren't they were always horrible to play against so fun, to finally uh, to finally get one over on them was really really special and you could see how much it meant to everybody you know all the fans you know, the players who had. Like myself, who had been there over, over a number of years, and you know, to see how much it meant to Big Jim at the final whistle, that was probably, uh, I mean, you know, not in terms of football played on the day, but in terms of how much it meant to everybody, and certainly how much it meant to me. I was gonna, I was, I would have hedged my bets towards a uh, crew back in 2010, I think it was. Yes, that that was a spe- <laughs> that was that was a special one. Yeah, uh, but that was that was five minutes of the game, wasn't it? Really, yeah. because you know. <laughs> To be three, three, two down, ten men with three one down. Three one down. Three one down. You remember we discussed this last week, and it was 
Andy Parrish got sent off for handball. Yeah. No, it was a foul. He pulled. He pulled. I think it was Sean Miller. He pulled back. It was Sean Miller, and he got sent off for that. And then they give handball from the free kick. Yeah, handballed it. I can't remember. It was, no, it was. It was. Uh, it was. He got booked for the foul, and then uh, and again for the free kick for the handball. And he went off. But then Sean Miller, you saved his pen. And uh, I, I, I always tell this story that two of my mates walked out uh, when before the penalty was taken and went up to the York Hotel thinking, well, that'll be it, 4-1. And then could not believe it when it came on final score when they were playing snooker <laughs> in the York Hotel. And it came on as we'd won 4-3. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was an unbelievable day. The, the Chesterfield game when we were three down at halftime. Yeah. And obviously, again, that's against one of my former clubs who... Uh, didn't particularly like me very much. So to, I remember the equalising late on and sort of turning around and just look at them and smile and smiling. <laughs> the abuse I got was incredible. Uh, the Oval game as well. Yeah, that was some yeah. game, that. That, yeah, was in, that. that was in awful conditions. Oh, it was horrendous. And then there was a game at home to Portsmouth I quite liked as well. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why. That was, that was nil-nil in the 92nd minute. And then what happened, Baz? Talk me through it. Talk, talk me through that day. Talk me through that game. That was fantastic. Well, it was. We, we I remember because it was a really, really windy game, and we took the win the first half. We were one down, and then it was like, right, we, we we had to change the way we played completely. So if we go anyway near long, it's just going to come back on. So we played some really, really good football in the, in the second half. But Jim was Jim was always great because as soon as it got into injury time, as long as there wasn't more than five six minutes left, I'd have a look over. He'd give the nod, and uh, and I could go up. And I just remember, I remember going up and I just had a really, really, because I'd, I'd had a couple of chances in previous years. I remember I put a header on the, onto the roof and then a Torquay. Uh, we scored at Oxford late on when I was up. But I just, it was the first time I had a feeling, I thought, oh, I'm going to score here. And yeah, it was brilliant because the, the, the brilliant thing for me going forward is every time you go forward, no one knows who to pick you up. They've all, they've all got, you know, they've all got assigned markers. And then they sent some fella, I can't remember who it was, to pick me up. And he must have been only 5'9", 5'10". And he kind of looked up at me like that. And I thought, I've got you here. And uh, yeah, I managed to get a little glance on the header. And I remember looking back at it because at the time, I had no idea how it got, how it had gone in. Because I'd headed it, the crowd you know, erupted and I, I went ballistic. But then looking at it back, and it, it, was, it was lucky because <clears throat> I had the run on the centre halves. But it was a ball that their goalkeeper never in a million years should have come for. But he just made a he just made a really good save from Lee Molyneux. And you know, obviously when as a goalkeeper, when you make a really good save, sometimes you feel, oh, I've got to get involved again. And he'd come and he tried to get over three or four players. And uh, thankfully I was a little sort of glancing header. And even then it had it crept through two players on the line that just didn't react. Adam McGurk actually being one of them who played for us the year later. So yeah, it was uh, it was a special night. Very, very, and uh, that 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 put you down in folklore, really. And uh, and the rest, like all the games you said, the rest is history. You've been in, how many? How many? I didn't I didn't bother looking up. Joel will be able to tell me how many games he played. Now he'll have it. You will have it there, Joel, won't you? It's not in my head, but I can pretty quickly look it up. Oh, okay then. Unless Barry knows already. For 8,724. How much? 8,724. <laughs> yeah, I think it seems like that. And it went 580 league appearances, I think, and then 40, 50 cup, cup games. 
I just I, li- I liked as Joel's looking this up. I liked it when Barry said that it was a different game when I started, and I had this picture of blokes in long shorts and brill cream in black and white running really quickly. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't. It just came to me, and I was like, "Did you start? Did you start with Jimmy Greaves or something?" I know you. You know you say you're old, but you're way you're way younger than uh, than me for a start. So I feel it certainly every morning. I get out of bed with this hip. <laughs> Have you got it, Joel? Sorry, yeah, still waiting. Oh, it's, I'm looking on transfer marks. Oh, here we go. I think overall it is. Let me work that out. Oh, that's there's something in brackets. I can see. I it's, think it's 621 overall. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, yeah. oh 621 games. Well, blooming it. And uh, and one goal. <laughs> Only one goal. Yeah, but one goal. One goal. That's good enough for me. Right, I'm going to move to Charlie now. Charlie, uh, nice to have you back. We've missed you. Um, uh, you did really well on the golf. You, I noticed on your uh, Facebook page, you let, met a lot of famous people and a lot of famous golfers, didn't you? It's fantastic. We raised 160,000 for it. That's amazing. That's yeah, it's great, yeah. Great. But more importantly, we had 33 Parkinson's golfers playing, um, you know, representing their country. They had a great time, families, friends, uh, friendships made forever. It was fantastic, really, really. Great. It stopped me doing Morecambe job for a week or so. So yeah, it's probably just been away. Yeah, but you're you're allowed a week off, Charlie. You do more Thank than you. your fair share. So, Charlie, you're you're our, our man behind the scenes, usually with some boardroom updates. What have you got for us? I've actually got Ben Sadler's October boardroom update for the boardroom meeting on oh, Friday. Okay. So, so we, I can get, tell we, you. we get we get uh, if there's anything <laughs> like um, cut Barry's wages by twenty percent, I'd leave that bit out. I'll leave a bit out, yeah. But um, basically, we, we, um, Ben's been brilliant, as you know, and has formulated a plan alongside the Morecambe Football Club's plan to do with the, the non-football staff, which he manages, which has been fantastic. We've had a head of finance, don't know if you know that, starts yeah. soon. Um, he's been working hard on the culture piece, with working with the new staff, and getting together. He's got an org, org structure, that everyone knows their job, everyone's got a job description, everyone knows their standards. We want the the football, the football team that Barry knows, I did the football side. <laughs> Everyone a contract and job description is a very tough, 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 tough gig. But Ben's done the whole thing on the non-football side, which has been great. And the drilling started, the piling started on the on the the, the um, back of the Barticard stand. That's going to be done between home, between home games. We've also got a lot of home games coming up. I was going to say that must be quite awkward, mustn't it? Because uh, we've got that, it's typical that we've just started now when we've just had three weeks where we've had no home game, and we're just starting when we've got like five or six in November. It is typical, but we promise we get this done. It will be done by 2046, we promise. But, um, <laughs> you know, it will get done, along with the chips and the mushy peas. But uh, uh, hospitality has been going great. And I love just reading all this. You know, the media team have been fantastic, as you know. Um, fitted in really well. The playing staff and the coaches have really welcomed them as well. See that picture of Les? Having a having a having a lie down on Twitter, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, and also, we're uh, got some exciting news coming out about Morecambe Ladies Football Club for next season. Should be great. And I've got a big, big announcement to make tomorrow. Shame the podcast hasn't been announced today. It's been today instead of tomorrow, but it's gonna be a big, big positive um, announcement tomorrow, which I'll I'll text Freeze and Joel about first before I announce it. <laughs> Bless your heart. Um, I think the main thing I wanted to say was that, you know, December 2019, Wakefield and I went to Plymouth 
That was one of our first games when we were uh, Derek had taken over. We joined the board. We lost three 0 We were absolutely hammered. It was really looking like we were going to get um, relegated. <laughs> just Derek had only had one game or two to, to settle in. Long journey, um, and uh, now you know when we're playing on Saturday in League One, we've come so far. I just think people need to we need to check ourselves a little bit and be thinking that you know we're trying to be a sustainable League One football club. That's our aim. And three bad results in the rain doesn't make us a bad football club or a bad football team. But to get back on it, hopefully we we'll get a good crowd on Saturday and see look how far we've come and appreciate it, rather than <laughs> rather than get frustrated at it. And uh, everyone in the football club, from football and non-football, coaching, non-coaching. It's, it's behind, the, behind the manager and the players and the staff. So we need everyone to be as one on Saturday as well. I'm sure they will be, but let's just keep, keep being positive as, 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 we, as James and Graham and Rod and I try to make sure the whole club is. So positive moving forward for the rest of the, rest of the campaign. Thanks, Charlie. And I think on that point, I'll move straight to the Plymouth game. Uh, top of the league in fantastic form. We're not in great form. Uh, Nothing can possibly go wrong. It's an ideal scenario for us to, uh, you know, vanquish somebody who's supposedly bigger, better, bolder. We've we've upset people already this season. Uh, I I could be completely wrong, and you I, I, you could be complaining and and uh, and saying you don't know what you're talking about, which is true. I don't, but I've just got a funny feeling about Saturday. Joel, Barry, you? I hope so. I mean, you know, he has got. Uh... But look at them, they're absolutely flying. They've won 4 0 against Bolton on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know if you, oh, sorry, it's 3 0, but uh, if you watch their third goal, which was very, very, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they're flying at the minute, and, and fair play to them. They look like they're playing some great stuff. Uh, we're, we're, we're having a bit of a sticky patch at the moment. So, you know, as we all know, because this is how football works, we'll win 1 0 with about 25% possession. Shall it go? Um, I'm I'm just hoping that they haven't brought the, their canoes and kayaks for Saturday because if it, the, it is due to rain a lot between now and then because Plymouth looked like they're used to that rain, didn't they, Baz? <laughs> yeah, that that was incredible last night. We got back on the bus; um, it, it was quite wet down at Cheltenham. But you know, see, seeing the uh, seeing the third goal for them last night, I haven't seen something like that in a long time. But you know, it's it's going to be a tough game. Of course, it is. They're in really good form. You know, the confidence is going to be sky high. But there's absolutely no reason at all why we can't. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to have to step up from our, uh, you know, the last couple of performances. But there's no reason why we can't go and get, you know, get something from the game. Absolutely no whatsoever. And uh, another good crowd, hopefully, Charlie, because Plymouth will bring a few being top. Yeah, I think it's got, it's got the makings of a, of a, of a really good um, opportunity for the club to get another big crowd in and get the atmosphere going in the museum and really... Well, Sean, is it six out of seven, Joel? Six out of seven at home? I think so, yeah. So, yeah. I think someone put the stats on Twitter the other day about our Mizuma, Fortress Mazuma. It really is a very, very stomping uh, yeah, ground for us. So, let's keep fingers crossed. And, you know, even if we do, you know, lose by the odd goal, as long as we can put in a solid performance to try and get back on track and have a, a, a head held high, and if again, we'll be begrudge it, you know. Uh, you know, uh, uh, just a really strong team performance. So before I move on and we finish with Joel and, and a bit of a, uh, an update on what's going on in the AGM of Shrimp's Trust, uh, the final question that we're all hanging on, Charlie, 
how are you getting on with the mushy peas? Are we still going to get processed with our pies? Where it's going at the moment, I'm losing the battle. <laughs> it's, uh, it's number one on my agenda, my campaign agenda for next season, but I don't think I'm going to win. No, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, Charlie had to send me, send me a text saying, have you seen my picture, my picture of my header on Twitter? And it was, it was, was it two shrimps on a bed of mushy peas? Yeah. And I, I sent him back, I'm like, are you sure they're not processed? No, they're mushy, definitely. Got to do it. Right, Joel, AGM, Shrimps Trust. Uh, this will go out uh, probably before it and people will listen to it after us. What have we got planned? Yeah, uh, so it is on Thursday the 21st at 7.30 in the, uh, in, in, in the suite, in the local choice suite uh, at the ground. Uh, we were hoping to have a, have a couple of players down for a Q&A afterwards. Unfortunately, that's not been able to be the case due to increased COVID protocols with... Uh, the, the, the rising cases at the minute, so unfortunately, it's just it's just one of those that that can't really be can't really be helped, unfortunately. But you know, we, we're still hoping it's going to be a good night. There'll be a, a run through of all the kind of all the trustings over over the past year, the projects we've done, the uh, the, uh, uh, the the all the finances and all that fun stuff. Uh, and then we've got uh, most oh. importantly, we've got a cushion of uh, you remember Liam Gibson uh, and his shoulder injury against Blackburn. Uh, well, obviously, with shoulder injuries, they don't really want to make you go like that to take a shirt off. So they cut it off they him. Cut it off him, yeah. And it has been turned into rather a delightful little cushion. And you get a raffle ticket on entry. So why the hell wouldn't you come to have a little <laughs> have a chance at winning a little cushion that says 22 Gibson on the back? Lovely. Unique. <laughs> um, was, there, was, there a, was there a... Is it going to be filmed or is it going to be streamed or what's going to happen? Uh, well, the initial plan was to uh, film the Q&A. Unfortunately, if that's not going to go ahead, that won't be there. But if we do end up uh, filming something, we'll keep you updated on social throughout the day. Uh, <coughs> and uh, we, we can perhaps do a bit of an update when we do next week's podcast as yes. well. Exactly, definitely. So this has been ShrimpNet number 17. Thank you to uh, our usual guests, obviously, uh, Charlie, with his updates. Thank you for that. No worries. Um, uh, Barry, brilliant to talk to you, mate. Absolutely fantastic. We've wanted you, we've wanted you on since about the third week, but um, it's not worked out up to now. So I, I'd, if we have you on again, uh, Joel, I'll have even more interesting questions, and I will, I will find out some. Uh, uh, what I'll do is I'll troll, troll the decks and look for your great saves and uh, you know your near misses because I, 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 as soon as you said it, I remembered you hitting the top of the bar, top of the bar and then bouncing over it. Uh, Torquay. As soon as you said it, I was like, oh God, yeah, you did, you got close then. So yeah, I'll remember that one. But thanks for joining us, Barry. Joel, brilliant as usual. Uh, this has been ShrimpNet17. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, join us next week when we'll talk about that remarkable 3-0 win over Plymouth. Uh, and obviously update you on what happened at the Shrimps Trust AGM. Thanks for coming. Up the shrimps. Up the shrimps. Up the shrimps. <laughs>